Hello, everybody, and welcome to the All-American Sports Podcast. Today, we have episode four here with Nick from NFL Roundtable. Nick, anything you want to say before we get going here? What's up, guys? Uh, glad to be here on the podcast. Appreciate if you drop a follow on, on my uh, Instagram account, uh, at NFL Roundtable. Post a lot of cool content, uh, off-season previews, top 10 list, discussion, debate, best place, best place for on Instagram. So I appreciate the follow. Yeah, his Saturday. page is definitely awesome. Go check it out. Um, both of our socials will be linked below the podcast, so you can check it out. Um, but before we get going, just a little preview of what we've got going on today. We got uh, NFL offseason talk, a little bit of a preview of what's going to happen, covering um, some franchise tag stuff happened in the past few days. And then we'll go into the NFL draft, some of our um, mock drafts, some of our favorite underrated guys, um, a whole lot of really just NFL offseason good stuff. So, Nick, I, as we've seen, we've seen the franchise tag deadline happen. We've seen a few minor, you know, signings here and there. What has been some franchise tag moves uh, that have stuck out to you? Some of your favorites, some ones that you don't like so far? Um, some of the ones that stuck out to me were obviously uh, Justin Simmons with the Broncos. Obviously, that is the main guy that they needed to get back. Um and I, I didn't think they were going to let him go, go go anywhere else. There was obviously rumors that he could have gone somewhere else, like the Bengals or Cowboys or any other team that, that needed a safety. But it, it, it was the right move from from the Broncos to tag him. They he's the, probably the cornerstone in the defense, at least in the second secondary wise. Um, so yeah, that, that that's one that kind of stuck stuck out to me. I was surprised that the Cowboys just didn't kick the can down the road with Dak Prescott and place a franchise tag on him again. But they finally got that deal done with him, which is more, more than deserved. He, $40 million might be an overpay or $42 million, but that's what the market demands. If you have a top 10 quarterback, you're probably going to have to pay him like a top 2 quarterback. That's just um, how, how it works, really. Yeah, definitely. That Dak move definitely stuck out to me, too. That was one where it's like, you kind of, I mean, I, you could kind of sense he's not going anywhere else he's staying with the Cowboys it's really whether he's getting that franchise tag or not I mean we we kind of talked about it yesterday but Dak overpaid or underpaid I know you said you have to pay him high but 40 million to me it's overpaying him I don't, what, what do you think about that I think it's just if they, if they, if they weren't going to do it someone else was and mm-hmm. if you have a franchise quarterback in this league you have to stick with them. I mean, it's very hard to find a franchise quarterback. The Cowboys have experience with that, too. After Troy Aikman retired, they bounced around with several quarterbacks, most notably Quincy Carter, who was awful. And they they did that for about a few more years before they eventually found Tony Romo. And I don't think that they want to go through that again. I think with the division that they're in, they can definitely win it next year. I mean, the division, is, I don't think it's going to get any better next year. So... I, I think they, they have their guy. They have a guy who I consider to be an elite quarterback, and I, I feel like they had to get him by any means necessary. And so Dak had all the leverage because Cowboys saw firsthand what the offense is like without him. And so I, I feel like that they just they had to pay him what he did. The cap hit isn't even that much either. It's around maybe like $22 yeah. million, something like that, which isn't the, – the deal is designed to limit cap damage in the future as the deal goes along. So – I, it's team friendly in that regard, but I, I think the deal works for both sides. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because most of it, uh, most of his contract is signing bonus. I know the first year he gets something crazy. I, f- I forget what it is, but overall, it's like 120 million guaranteed and um, 40 million a year. 
uh, for four years, so 160 million there. In my opinion, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's a top 10 quarterback, and I think the Cowboys probably made the right decision to stick with him. But as you said, it is team friendly, but still, eating up cap space, especially with that those holes on the Cowboys roster, their defense, I, I just... I, I think, in my opinion, it's a bit too much. You don't want a guy who's money-hungry, who's eating up a lot of the cap. We're seeing yeah. that right now in Mahomes, who I, th- I think is worth all the money in the world, but you can underpay him because they're now having to cut offensive tackles. We saw the Cowboys last year. Their defense was atrocious. I think it's sticking with Dak is the right move. I just I don't like the money, but they did a good job of making it cap friendly yeah. so the thing I, about the cowboys yeah. is that they have 10 draft picks coming up in this upcoming draft and dude they do have a lot of holes on this defense but they have a lot of draft picks to to fill those holes like the cowboys make most of their moves dur- during during the draft they don't really go after big free agents they usually try to take care of all that in the draft and they really don't have any holes on offense except for maybe offensive line with all the injuries so maybe they could just use those 10 picks on defensive guys, you know, guys like Patrick Sertain or Caleb Farley, maybe they can go into the later rounds and get someone like Asante Samuel or uh, Tyree Gillespie. They can draft a linebacker in the first round like Jeremiah Wosukoroma or uh, Micah Parsons or some or something like that. There's a lot of guys that they could draft that I think could fill that hole and become day one stars on, on, on a defense. So I'm optimistic about that team. I'm optimistic that they they will draft well, and the Cowboys front office usually drafts well. If there if, if there's one thing that they're not incompetent at, it's drafting. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm optimistic about that team. Will the defense be? I don't think the defense is going to be elite next year, even if they do draft pretty well. I still, but I think they can get it to the middle of the pack, which I think is all they really need with that offense. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, a lot of talent, and of course, I mean they have the tenth overall pick. Um, really thanks to Dak Prescott's injury, so. We'll talk about that more as we get in the draft. Some other moves that were made. Um, the Allen Robinson tag. That's something that I think went kind of under the radar a bit. Um, because, you know, he is tagged. But do you see a possibility of a tag and trade there? I do. I, I don't think Allen Robinson wants to be in Chicago. And that's why I feel like the franchise tag needs to go as a whole. Because I feel like it traps players in organizations that they don't want to be a part of anymore. Obviously, we saw Allen Robinson immediately after he got placed on the franchise tag. We saw in lightning tweets about how the franchise tag needs to go and how you know the industry is pretty messed up and how the system is screwed and everything like that. I don't think Allen Robinson wants to be in Chicago, and I agree with him. You know, I feel like the organization has failed him with with providing him with an inadequate quarterback. Obviously, he's had Blake Bortles in Jacksonville. Now he's got Mitch Trubisky in, in, in Chicago, and he, he's a top ten receiver, and I think he deserves better. So I, I do see the possibility of a tag and trade, maybe somewhere like Washington or Miami, maybe even Baltimore, but yeah. I, I think Allen's going to force that. I don't think he wants to be in Chicago anymore. Yeah, I think you brought up a really good point with the franchise tag and trapping players. That's something that I agree with too. I mean, I just, I think, you know, Allen Robinson, like you said, he does not want to be in Chicago. He's got terrible quarterbacks. I don't think that team is getting any better on offense anytime soon. I, they just... To me, I, they're not a place where you're gonna, you know, get a guy like Russell Wilson. We've heard some rumors, stuff like that. I, I just, the best they can do is maybe a guy a bit better than Mitch Trubisky, but really just Allen Robinson, like you said. And right now in the, in the prime of his career too. I just, I agree. I don't think he wants to be in Chicago. Me personally, I think he goes to the New York Jets. I've been hearing a lot of rumors there, and uh, they just, I mean, they need some holes to fill on offense. So. 
I think that's where he goes. Um, some other moves that were made as I'm looking at down my free agent list. Um, we talked about the Justin Simmons one for sure. We talked about Prescott, Robinson, a lot of the top guys. Um, Trent Williams, he was a tackle who did not get franchise tagged. For me, he was number two on my free agent list. Where do you think a guy like he goes? Um, I, I think the 49ers have, have to try and keep him. Obviously, he's still in the Pro Bowl, still, still a very good tackle. I can see him going to a place with, without a tackle or, or a team that need, really really needs that, maybe a team like the Jaguars or the Jets, a team that really is trying to build an offensive line around the new rookie quarterback that they could draft. But I, I feel like the 49ers need him just as much as, a, as those other teams. So I feel like even though, even though they didn't place the franchise tag on him, I still feel like they're going to fight tooth and nail over the other teams to get Trent Williams on the team. And, and, and they need to. I, I still, he's bottom of the offensive line and bottom of the offense, especially with a kind of average quarterback like, like Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think they have to build that team through the run. I think, you know, that's how they got to the Super Bowl two years ago. I think that's a great move if he, uh, if he stays in San Francisco. That's where I think he goes, um, personally. Now, um, as I go down the list, a lot of the Bucks. Uh, we talked about that yesterday. Did they make the right move with tagging Chris Godwin? Because they also have Levante, David, and Barrett on the other side of the ball who are now going to hit the open market. Personally, I would have tagged Barrett just because I feel like he's more important to the piece. Obviously, Godwin is a great receiver, and he still does well as a number two guy. But being a number two guy, I feel like you have to make Barrett more of a priority because he's your best pass rusher. You know, obviously the Buccaneers – even though they did win the Super Bowl, and you could bring a lot of guys back because you won the Super Bowl, they still have a lot of free agents and maybe not enough cap to bring them all back. And so I feel like if, if I had a choice, I would bring bring Matt Barrett just because if you lose Godwin, you still got Mike Evans. You can probably bring back Antonio Brown as well on on that offense. You still got Gronk, who's a capable tight end. I feel like Barrett's more vital to that more vital to that team and more important to to bring back, especially on the pass rush. So I, I think it was a mistake putting it on Godwin. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much covered it. I, I would say the same thing with Barrett. Um, Vontae David's another guy they could have tagged, but I think with the way Devin White's been playing, not a huge need there. But yeah, I mean, with the wide receivers in this free agent class too, if they were to bring one back, which I don't think they need to, but they also picked 32 with a pretty talented wide receiver class. I think he could have found Godwin a replacement, but I understand the move. He is pretty young. Um, he's certainly talented. Um, but I agree with you. I would attack Barrett. Not a lot of high-end edge rushers in this free agency class like him. Uh, that's where I would have gone. Kenny Galladay at number nine on my free agent list. Um, he was not tagged by the Lions. I thought he would be. Where do you see him ending up? I think you go. I think you go to Baltimore, and that's where I think he's going to end up signing. Because while it might not be the best scheme fit overall. I still think Kenny Galladay could open up a brand new dynamic of that Ravens offense. Ravens don't really have a capable number one receiver. Marquise Brown, I don't think he's the number one receiver. I think he's a good number two guy. He tried to be the number one receiver last year, and I don't really think he was that consistent enough. So I think the Ravens, you know, they're, they're a run-first offense, and you can't really win in this league with a run-first offense anymore. If you, if you can stop the run against the Ravens, you can beat them, and the Ravens offense isn't going anywhere. And I feel like the Ravens have to try to find a way to fix that. They have to go out and try to get a receiver. And I feel like Galladay is a perfect guy, guy, guy to go get. He's a borderline top 10 receiver. He's a good one-on-one -on -one guy. He's got good size, good in one-on-ones. And he, he could go anywhere, too. He could go to Miami or other places to need a receiver, like Washington or maybe New York. Um, maybe another team out on the East Coast. But 
I still I, I feel like Galladay could go to Baltimore. He can go to the Giants too, but there's a lot yeah. of teams that could go get Galladay. He's the best receiver coming into this uh, free agency class. So, but I still I still think Baltimore should try to fight to sign him. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I think I think he'd actually be a great fit in Baltimore, um, especially because he's a physical guy, and Marquise Brown is someone who does not bring that physicality. Like you said, he's a good number two. He's a good deep threat, but you need a guy beside him. I think Galladay would fit great there. It's just really a matter of money because, like you said, you think he's the best wide receiver in the class. I, I don't know. We can get into that in a second. But, um, it's deep class. Really? I mean, I mean, you, wait, so, so you put him... It is pretty deep receiver this year. Yeah, you. but you, would you put him over, like, Godwin and Robinson? Maybe not Robinson, but Robinson might not even hit the open market with him being on a franchise tag. Oh, yeah, well, actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. I mean, there could be a tag and trade like you mentioned, but I just don't think there's anyone else like Galladay out there, really. Yeah, I mean, I I just think, yeah, I agree with you. He probably brings more to the table than Godwin. Definitely more physical, and he could fit better with teams. Um, I, I think Baltimore would be a good fit. Um, I think a team with a little bit more cap space who I like is Miami. I've been hearing a lot of rumors there. I think Tua needs some help. They obviously want to build that offense around him. And I think he would make sense there. Like you said, the Giants would be interesting. Really, I, I think he could go anywhere. Um, it's really just a matter of which team pays him more, um, in my opinion. Um, you know, as we go down the list, a lot of these guys were tagged. What's a move that you did not like? Um, in, in, you know, free agency. A move that I probably didn't like was, oh dang, who knows, um, maybe the Saints placing the tag on Marcus Williams because they are in cap hell and I don't feel like a tag is going to help them with their franchise tag situation or, or, or their cap space situation, my bad. Because uh, we've seen the Saints cutting players left and right, they're gutting the entire roster in hopes of just getting more cap space. They don't need to really sign anyone to be that much better. They're already good with the talent that they already have in-house. But, you know, we've seen them cut so many guys, you know, Quan Alexander, Emmanuel Sanders, on top of so many other people. And they're still like $20, $15 million over the cap. And I don't think a franchise tag helps in that situation. Marcus Williams, he is known as a meme still from the Minneapolis Miracle, but he is still a top safety in the league. And I guess I can kind of see the – see why they tag them but that money the the, the money situation i just don't I, I i don't see it and i don't see how a tag helps their cap situation at all yeah i i totally agree with that i mean I, the saints they're doing a better job it looked like they were really on a great track getting their cap right but then i i just that doesn't make sense to me tag marcus williams like you said talented player i just i don't really understand it um i think they could have made a better decision there probably not tagging anyone and, uh, and find someone in the draft. Speaking of the draft, uh, we talked about it a bit, but who are some underrated guys? Because I definitely have mine. Who are a few underrated guys in this draft? In this draft, I love, love, love Tyree Gillespie at Safety at Missouri. Mm-hmm. I think that he is going under the radar pretty good. Obviously, if you go to my roundtable account, you'll see I did an entire profile with him. Noticed by Tyreek as well. He'd like to follow self-brag but uh, <laughs> i saw that I, I, that was awesome though that was yeah, that was cool i, I love that uh but i i, I love tyree Gillespie. i think he's gone under the radar just a little bit just because he's seen as just 
a box safety who can play just one side of the field, but he's more rangy than you might think. Obviously, I've seen plays against Alabama where Jalen Waddle was coming off, off the right side on the jet sweep, and he was going all the way to the left side, and Marcus and Tyreek Gillespie started all the way at the top, like 10, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, and he came down and made the play at the line of scrimmage. I love safeties like that, and I think they'd be really good. He's probably going to go in like the fourth or fifth round. Whatever team takes him, I think he's an, he's an absolute steal. Yeah, to be honest, he's a guy that I did not hear of before you posted about him. I mean, I just, Gillespie obviously is a talented player. I saw your profile on him, and he's a guy, sorry for the noise, by the way. I don't even know what this is. But um, uh, Gillespie, obviously, great pick there. Um, Like I said, I didn't even know who he is, but you definitely um, pointed him out. He's an underrated guy to keep an eye on in the draft. One guy that I really like, and I saw a lot of people talking about him today with Northwestern's Pro Day yesterday, Greg Newsom, cornerback out of Northwestern. Um, I really liked him. He was a guy on my top five, um, you know, kind of sleeper picks there. He, uh, his 40-yard dash was something, it was like a 4-3-8 or something around there. Crazy. I, he's just, he's crazy athletic to me. Um, I think it's a pretty good corner class, but he's physical, he's smart, um, and I love corners like that who have great play recognition and all that. He's a guy that I really like and I think could slide in in the first round now. I think he's, you know, maybe even like a Colts somewhere around there, pick 20. I think he's a guy that I like. Um, what's another underrated player in your opinion? Uh, Demetric Fallon out of UCLA. Uh He's listed as a wide receiver, but you can put him at running back. You can put him really pretty much anywhere all over the offense. You know, he's a he's a hybrid player who made so many explosive plays at, at UCLA. I saw a game, I think, a couple of years ago when UCLA played Washington State. He was all over the field. No one gave UCLA a shot to win that game, and he's one of the main reasons that they won it. Um, at the Senior Bowl, he was he came in as a running back, but he, he practiced every single drill as a wide receiver just because he wanted to know if he could. And he was slicing and dicing up quarterbacks like it was nobody's business. Running backs should not be running, you know, Texas routes or slant routes or vertical routes like he was running them in the Senior Bowl. You, if you go watch his Senior Bowl footage when they were running run-on-ones, Felton steals the show, and I love his dynamic ability. He's someone that, that maybe uh, the Chiefs could grab in maybe the third round, and he would fit that offense perfectly he can fit any offense perfectly with his yeah. dynamic playmaking ability i think he's a guy like rondell moore who can really take over a game with his speed and his and his athleticism like that yeah i i actually like that pick um felton you mentioned the chiefs that would just be a great i mean andy Reid, another weapon he's such a chiefs type player though to me a guy who can really do anything like you said um kind of like rondell moore who i'm pretty high on this class I think this linebacker class is really, really solid. Although he can play anywhere, a guy that I really like is Jeremiah Wusu-Karamoa. I think he's a better version of what we saw last year in Isaiah Simmons. And I think people, you know, kind of compared him to Isaiah Simmons because he can play all over the field, do pretty much anything. And Simmons didn't really turn out well this year in Arizona. And I... I, you could point to a lot of reasons. To me, I just Cliff Kingsbury is an offensive guy. I I never really loved that defense. I don't think he fits well in there. Um, but I think he's a better version of Simmons. I think he's awesome. I really like Zayvon Collins too, a good coverage linebacker who I think would fit perfectly with the Jets at pick number twenty three. Um, Robert Sala, new head coach, loved those coverage linebackers. I'm high on him, and I'm also high on another linebacker, Nick Bolton. 
um, who honestly could go anywhere. Very um, agile, high-energy player who can um, get to the quarterback, knock down passes well. Just a really speedy guy who you can throw around the field. Um, he's a guy who I really like. Um, as we get into the final stages here of the episode, how do you see, you know, what what's maybe a surprise pick in like a mock draft that you think is going on right now? How do you see the draft going? Any surprises um, in your opinion? I could see maybe Owusu Koroma be taken above Micah Parsons. I, I could see him going top 15. I, I think I could argue that he's actually better than Micah Parsons. I feel mm-hmm. like Micah Parsons could be just a little bit overrated. I mean, obviously, I think he... I think he opted out of the 2020 season, so we haven't really seen much from last year. But I still, I feel like Orso Koroma, or however you say his name, um, I think he just can offer just a little bit more. I don't think he's more of a complete linebacker than, than Mike Parsons. So I think you could see him um, going above right there. Another guy who I think you you could see it as a surprise pick is uh, Creed Humphrey going in the first round. Uh, Lyman, oh shoot. Lyman out of Oklahoma. He had a fantastic pro day yesterday. Lyman should not be moving around like that. He had... I think like a 33, 34-inch vert and like a 5-flat 40 or something like that, which is something that is insane for an offensive lineman. And I think that he came in as maybe a second, third-round draft pick. I think he can be a first-round draft pick out of the party he's had in. He's pretty dynamic on the line. He can play center, play guard. And I think any team that takes him, if you need an interior lineman, I think that's your guy. Yeah, Creed Humphrey's the guy I like to – wait, 35-inch vertical, did you say? It was a 34 in vertical. That's crazy to me as an offensive lineman. I think he's a guy who's actually pretty underrated. Um, doesn't allow any sacks pretty much at all. I think he's definitely a guy that's getting um, not enough credit on the interior of this O-line. I really like the, the exterior of this O-line, the offensive tackles. Um, the interior, I think, not a lot of guys projecting the first round. I think Creed Humphrey would be a great selection for a lot of the teams in the first round. Um I think one that could surprise people a little bit earlier, I think Kyle Pitts, I, I think he can go anywhere in the top five. I, I The Bengals, like, that's that's kind of expected. I think he could surprise some people, maybe go to a team like Atlanta. What are your thoughts on that? I think he could definitely go to a team like Atlanta. Atlanta definitely needs some weapons. Currently, uh, my last mock draft on roundtable, I had him going 16th to the Cardinals. So he could fall all the way down there too. He could go anywhere from top five to 15. It just depends on what, what teams think they need more. Obviously tight end is a really a position that you pick high on. Obviously it's different this year because Kyle Pitts is one of the best tight end prospects in years, but Atlanta could definitely pick him. I could see the Panthers picking him at eight, really any team that needs a tight end or, or a dynamic, uh, dynamic person out there. He's a Travis Kelsey type guy where he can just be an extra receiver basically if so Atlanta, Carolina, Arizona, New England could snag him. I think it, yeah. I think that pick fifteen, they could snag him as well. There's many teams that could pick him. And I don't think he's going to disappoint on any of them, just because I think he's a fit anywhere, just because of how good he is. Yeah, as you mentioned, you had him at sixteen, but that's that's the thing that could happen if he doesn't get picked. Like I think Carolina's probably the point if he doesn't get picked. That's where he's falling to a team like Arizona or New England. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he'd be perfect in Carolina um, if he slips from that top five group just because they really do not have any tight ends. I mean, Ian Thomas, uh, really just no-name guys. There. I think he'd fit perfectly there. The only thing that I worry about is I think they're locked in on getting a quarterback like a Trey Lance. 
or something. But if he is, if he's, you know, taken before that, I think he'd fit perfectly in Carolina. Kyle Pitts is a guy that I'm very high on as well. As you mentioned, extra receiver, guy that we haven't seen in years. I think he's going to surprise some people and maybe be picked top five. Um, lastly, I mean, anything else you want to cover here, NFL draft? I want to cover, Desha- I want to talk about Deshaun Watson because that situation yeah. is still developing pretty long. But I'm going to come in here now. What are your thoughts on that? I just, to me, I mean, I've been hearing every rumor imaginable. And I, I, I just, from what Houston is saying, they are not budging on any trade rumors. I think he's, st- and they're willing to let him sit out too, which is important because I, I thought he would sit out, then maybe get traded right before the season, something like that. I think he stays in Houston unhappily. Um, I'd want to see him, if, if they do decide to trade him, I think Carolina would be the team to get him just because they're aggressive. They got Matt Rule as their head coach was a lot of influence in that organization. They're willing to give up picks. They're willing to give up a guy like McCaffrey, maybe even Teddy Bridgewater. If he gets traded, that's where he goes. Otherwise, I think he stays. But I don't know. What do you think about that? The Texans are in such denial, including the front office and their fan base. They're in such denial over wanting over how unhappy Watson is. He doesn't want to be in Houston anymore. And we see press conference after press conference of, of, of David Coley and Jack Easter being McNair and everyone else in the organization saying, well, Watson is our quarterback and we're committed to him. Like, he wants to leave. Like, he, he, you you have failed him. You have failed to design a, a team around him. You traded one of the best receivers in the league and have surrounded him with guys like Will Fuller and Kenny Stills, mm-hmm. who just aren't DeAndre Hopkins. I, I, he's, he's unhappy, and you made him unhappy, and I don't think he, he's going to be happy in Houston, even if he does say that. And who knows if he sits out. Obviously, they're going to find him to hell if he gets uh, – if he, if he if he chooses to sit out, but he he could. I'm not going to rule that out. He could stay unhappily in Houston. Obviously, the Texans at the end of the day hold all the cards. But if he does get traded, obviously Carolina is an option. I feel like New York could be an option too. The Jets. Yeah. They obviously have a, a lot of assets to trade. They have the most assets I think of any team to trade. And obviously, they need a quarterback. Another team I'd look out for is Miami. Obviously, they still have two, and they might want to build around him. But the league is very cutthroat in terms of if you are consistent right away you're on the chopping block and, and you could get traded pretty soon. And I think a Watson for two, a deal would be insane. just depending on, and the dolphins have assets too. They have the number three pick who they ironically belong to the Texans originally, but the dolphins do have a lot of, a lot of assets to trade. And I think that would immediately launch them into competing with the bills for the AFC East and competing for consistent playoff spots and for the AFC really. But if I had to put, put my money on something, I think the Texans are just going to be stubborn. I think they're going to mm-hmm. try to hold on to him and try to save face, somehow convince him to stay, and Watson is just going to hate life in Houston. But they're in such denial about thinking that he wants any part of being on that team. Yeah, I, I totally – I just – I honestly – I feel bad for Watson, but I also feel bad for David Cully and Nick Casario, the new GM, because they were told Watson is their quarterback of the future before they got the job. And then when they're hired, Watson becomes even more unhappy. So I did. I feel bad for those guys. That organization is a mess right now. Um, I, I like I like I said, and you said. I think he probably stays in Houston, but it'd be more interesting and probably just better for him to get traded. Um, I, I think. I think it'd be better for both sides. Honestly. Yeah. I I, I just would if you're the Texans right now, are you trading him? 
I'm trading him. I'm starting a full rebuild. Your team needs it. I mean, it's just time to just hit the reset button and start over. You got a brand new front office, a brand new coach. Just pull the plug and start over. There's no way you're going to try to convince Deshaun Watson to stay. I think that I think that's a bridge that has been burned. I don't think that's something that you that you can go back on. They crossed the Rubicon by trading DeAndre Hopkins, and with the four and twelve season that they had, JJ Watt has found his way out. Other other top guys have found their way out of Houston, and. They're holding on to Watson because he's the quarterback, but I, I think a trade would just work better for both sides. The Texans could get a lot of assets for him. He's a young quarterback who's arguably top five in the league. He just led the league in passing yards this past season. I'm, I'm trading him if I'm the Texans, and I'm going for a team like New York or a team like Miami, Carolina, or Denver, a team with a lot of assets to trade and a lot of good pieces to trade, too. You trade with Carolina, you could get a guy like Christian McCaffrey. You trade... With the Jets and Dolphins, you could get a potential top three pick to replace Deshaun Watson. I think it's best for the organization if they if they trade him. It's not good to be stubborn, especially when you have a guy like Watson and you fail to build a team around him, and you're probably still going to fail to build, build a team around him. I'm trading him if I'm Houston. I definitely agree with that. Um, I would I would totally do the same thing. I think you have to trade him. If you had to choose like one realistic deal and one team to trade him to, who would it be? Probably the Jets. I feel like that's a realistic trade that can happen. A trade for Sam Darnold, maybe the number two. They hold the number two overall pick. The number two overall pick, maybe the 26 overall pick, or whatever pick they have in the 20s. Maybe another pick as well. Maybe Maybe another guy, another young guy on that team. Maybe someone... Maybe a lineman or something like that. I don't know. But I feel like I feel like the Jets have the most assets to trade, and it's a more realistic trade if you can train train, train with the Jets. Yeah, that that's who I would say too. I would say the Jets um, with Sam Darnold. I love him. I, another, as I said, I think he if he gets traded, he goes to Carolina. If I'm the GM of the Texans, I'd consider Carolina too. If you can get a bridge quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, who I think is you know okay for a year or two, maybe draft a guy if you get picked number eight like Trey Lance. Um, I've been hearing McCaffrey could go there. Um, definitely. But I just, it's interesting because, like you said, they have failed to build a team around him. No clue what Bill Bryan was thinking with that. Just DeAndre Hopkins trade. Just, I, I don't, I do not know where that organization is going because they just made two signings the other day with Ingram and Kirksey, who are both older guys. Um, so we'll see. But overall, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast. Nick, any last thoughts here before we take off? This is going to be an insane offseason. As, as, as J.J. Watson on Twitter, free agency is going to be wild. The draft is going to be crazy with the amount of trades. Watson could get, could, could get traded on draft day, depending on if the Texans are, will, are, are willing to do that. Many players can be taken a lot of different places. A lot of quarterbacks can go different places. Linebacker class is deep. Receiver class is deep. Tackle class is deep. It's going to be a pretty good draft. It's going to be a pretty good offseason. I'm excited to see how, how it unfolds. Yeah, that's the thing. I think this offseason, we can make all the predictions we want. I just, I, I agree with you. It's going to be crazy. Um, I think a lot of surprise moves, surprise draft picks. We will see how it all unfolds very, very soon. Free agency is on the way. We'll likely have some more podcasts coming out soon, hopefully with Nick and NFL Roundtable um, again. And uh, this is us signing off. So we'll see you guys next time. And uh, here we are. Peace.